Good morning. Have your Bible ready, Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. The Apostle Paul was visiting with brethren in Ephesus. And one of his final statements is recorded in this verse. He said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul wanted to preach the gospel to the lost, taking people to obedience of faith in repentance and baptism. Then, after baptism, he wanted new Christians to be Christians. He wanted new Christians to be Christians. By being built up with the word of God's grace to have the ultimate promised inheritance. This morning's sermon is part of an ongoing series I'm delivering this year based on this idea. What a difference it can make in your life when you just use the Bible. So once a month I return to this theme. In January, God used the Bible to determine your knowledge of who God is. After that, sermons about Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament, the New Testament, last month, becoming a Christian. And so today, we're talking about being a Christian. Sometimes, does this ever happen to you? You start something that is good, and valuable and right and your heart is in it in the beginning it holds great promise you start with great energy then after that initial excitement begins it wears off very gradually and what was so important and what required such motivation and energy at the beginning no longer has the same place and eventually you drop the whole project. Starting strong, gradually becoming weak, you take off, you cruise, but you never land or you crash land. The ship sails, but it's tossed to and fro, and it never arrives at the destination. We don't want that to happen to anyone here. And so here at Laurel Heights, we not only teach from the Bible about how to become a Christian and urge you to do that and give you the reasons why you need to do that, we also teach from the Bible <coughs> what God expects of people after baptism and what he expects consistently 
after baptism. So there is not a time when the energy is lost and the heart that you had in the beginning begins to drift away from what you started. What a difference it makes when you just use the Bible to become a Christian and then to be a Christian. So let's have our Bibles ready to open this morning and think seriously about being a Christian. We covered last time what it means to become a Christian. Now, what about being a Christian? It means continued obedience. So what you started, you continue. Obedience is where becoming a Christian begins when you're baptized. It then needs to continue. Look with me in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, I'd like to read verses 1 through 6. And you'll see it on the page and you'll hear it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, <coughs> through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among the nations, including you, who are being called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul preached the gospel, and when people responded, it started with this phrase, the obedience of faith. And Paul here reviews some of the reasons why that obedience was so valuable, because of who Jesus is. So that faith became active when they confessed their faith and repented and they were baptized. Now, <coughs> go to the end of the book of Romans. Go to the very end of the book of Romans. Obedience is here at the beginning, but now I want to take you to Romans 16, 19, at the end of the book, where Paul says, for your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. You know what we sometimes call this? Bookends. The book of Romans begins with obedience and ends with obedience. And in between is all the reasons for faith that leads to obedience. So you have the initial obedience when you repent and you're baptized. That must continue consistently after baptism. For Christians, obedience is a way of life. It isn't just something we read on a page and hear about in a class or a sermon. Obedience for Christians is our way of life. It's how we think. 
It finds expression in what we say. It is how we treat people. It is how we respond to God after baptism and until we die. And it's how our allegiance to Jesus Christ is exhibited day after day after baptism. Paul wrote to Christians in Philippi, and he said, I appreciate the fact that you live in obedience to God, not only when I'm present, but much more in my absence. Philippians 2 and verse 12. Paul said, not only when I'm with you, but when I'm not with you, your obedience is consistent. That's the way it ought to be. James said in James chapter 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Once you become a Christian, you need to think, speak, and act in obedience to God from then on. Not just in a church building, not just when other Christians are around, not just in the presence of preachers or elders, but in your marriage and in your home and in your neighborhood, in your workplace and in your office and in times of recreation. Continued obedience is what we do as people who have been baptized into Christ. And that obedience leads to and includes consistent attendance. Do you realize... Do you realize that those people who became Christians in the time of the apostles wanted to be with other Christians? To worship, take the Lord's Supper, hear the Word of God, pray together. It, it wasn't, I've got to do this. It's Sunday morning. I've got to do this. They wanted to do that. They wanted to go. Every opportunity was embraced with joy and zeal to the best of their ability to get to those assemblies. As in Acts 20 and verse 7, where Christians came together on the Lord's day in Troas and Paul preached until midnight. I'm not going to do that right now. But I will be back at 5. He preached until midnight. One young man fell asleep, falling down three stories, landed on the ground, was taken up dead. Paul went down and he said, don't be alarmed, his life is in him. Ever since, preachers have been trying to keep people awake and get their attention and hope to see them back at the next service. People wanted to do this. They got up and wanted to do this to the best of their ability. In Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. You've heard it many times. I hope we will continue to hear it and not just hear it, but engage in it to the best of our ability. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more 
as you see the day drawing near. Folks, sometimes when you read a passage in the Bible, you read a paragraph, (coughs) there is a phrase that stands out and captures your attention about which there is no complication and it conveys to you in one phrase what everything is about in that context. And here it is, neglecting to meet together. Neglecting to meet together. I didn't write that. Preachers and elders didn't write that. God wrote that. So you don't have to give your excuses to men. You are accountable to God. And I'll tell you this. I feel sorry for Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm sorry for people who could be here. But just don't. People who have the physical ability, they could be here. They need to be fed. They could be fed. The feast is ready. The table is spread. They're a no-show. In most churches, Sunday night is less than half of those on Sunday morning. Wednesday nights here, sometimes less than 20. Folks, baptism isn't the end of the journey. It's the beginning. What God expects is continued obedience and consistent attendance to the best of your ability and compliant attitudes. Compliant attitudes. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 2. Do you read our weekly bulletins? We send those out through the LH updates and they're in printed form back in the lobby. Generally speaking, we try to keep the latest one. Today's bulletin is at the very top in that rack and you can pick those up. Takes less than 15 minutes to read the article. Don't read it on the way home while you're driving. Wait till you get home. Takes less than 15 minutes. It's based on biblical teaching designed to nourish and and admonish us. When I came here 32 years ago, the elders wanted a weekly bulletin and we decided to call it Reaching Greater Heights. And this summer I've written a series of articles on attitude. And there will be a total of 12 of those articles on attitude. Each is based on a passage and it's for our review and self-examination. Sometime next month I'll put all of those together into a single document for you to read and study. And I'll send those out and if you want a printed copy, I'll give you a printed copy of all of those 12 bulletins. Here's one of the passages these studies are based on. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
If any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at verse 1. Look at the words and phrases that should immediately be attractive. Words and phrases that should immediately be attractive in verse 1. Encouragement, comfort, love, affection, sympathy. You interested? Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a group where there is encouragement, comfort, love, affection, and sympathy? Paul says that's what Christians can have in association with each other. It begins right here. If we resist selfish ambition and in humility count others more significant than ourselves, we have the same mind and attitude as Christ. We're aligned with Him in what we think and what we say and how we interact with people. What is there in that for us? Encouragement, comfort, love, affection and sympathy and that's what you aim to have after you're baptized and until you die being a Christian means continued obedience consistent attendance compliant attitudes and it means courageous hope courageous hope in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is writing to people who were challenged to maintain their hope because they were undergoing a fiery trial of persecution. So it comes as no surprise to us that in chapter 1, several times, Peter hits this theme of hope. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we can have. And it gives us courage. Chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> Therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. To have an active mind to serve God, 
There needs to be hope in that mind. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One more time in chapter 1 verse 21. Through him we are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Hope. This great hope God grants to his people produces within us <coughs> strength and courage and steadfastness even through temptations and trials and difficulties and hardships, disease and persecution, the stress of life on earth. Being a Christian means embracing this hope, being motivated by this hope, so that we continue after baptism obedience, consistent attendance, compliant attitudes, and we have courageous hope. I want to tell you a story. Some years ago, a hydroelectric dam was to be built across a valley in New England. The people in a small town in the valley were to be relocated because the town itself would be submerged when the dam was finished. During the time between the decision to build the dam and its completion, the buildings in the town, which previously were kept up nicely, fell into disrepair. Instead of a pretty little town, it became an eyesore. Why? Did this happen? The answer is simple. As one local resident said, where there is no faith in the future, there is no work in the present. Faithful Christians have faith in the future. Therefore, there should be work in the present. Hope is offered by God to those who respond to the gospel, becoming Christians, then continue steadfastly with hope, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So, are you a Christian? Do you need to respond today? If you are a Christian, are you being faithful to that calling? Do you need to get back on the right path, confessing your sin? All of us need to do better. I hope we will because there is no doubt we have a future that God has promised. Let's be standing as we sing.